Sometimes in life we just suffer. Sometimes it's from being totally withdrawn. Or so much stress that we are totally anxious. Or so tired that we are totally burnt out. But our current position is not our final destination. No, indeed. There's hope. So whether it's your personal life, your career, your relationship, your business, or your job, we say there's reason to believe again. And we present from Andy's personal development, the breakout room. It's the place for health, happiness, and prosperity. Stay tuned for more. Okay, we are live on Andy's personal development, and this is Andy in the breakout room with a special guest today by the name of Dave Albin, and I promise you there's going to be fireworks in this episode, no <laughs> pun intended, but Dave knows what I'm talking about. So without any further ado, let's just thank him for taking the time to be with us in the breakout room and give him the opportunity to introduce himself. Welcome, Dave. How are you today? Hey, Andy, I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me. I'm really, uh, really honored to be here. So excited to, to do this event with you. Great. We're looking forward to it, too. So Dave, here's the thing. I'm looking at your information and I find it very intriguing. You were born in 1954. That's nobody's business right now. <laughs> Queens of Angels Hospital in Hollywood, California. Yeah. Place to be born to a single mother. And you were adopted by your aunt and your uncle at the age of five. Yes. And then you had a period of time where at the age of 11, they finally told you who your real parent were. That's correct. How was that experience like for you? And I know you probably need to go back in time and, and, and dig up stuff, but maybe it's hidden somewhere in your subconscious. I don't know. We all operate so very differently. Right. Between the ages of five and 11, what was it like for you growing up as a young man? And when you discovered who your real parent was, what did that mean for you emotionally? How did that impact upon your life back then? Can you recall? Yeah, sure. Um, well, you know, my mom, again, as a single mom, she had two other boys and it, with, a, with a different man. Yeah. And uh, so we were all living in a small apartment um, um, in uh, Hollywood, California, across the street from Hollywood High School, as a matter of fact. One bedroom apartment. There were, there were me, my two brothers, a cousin, my grandmother, and my biological mother. And so by the time I was five, she was working as a server at the Roosevelt Hotel. And there was just no way they, you know, she couldn't afford to feed me. And so she did a very loving thing and she put me up for adoption. And she and her sister uh, adopted me, which, you know, was my aunt and uncle. And, and so I, I left Hollywood and went to live with my aunt and uncle in Long Beach, California. Now to back it up a little bit though, my biological father, uh, two months before I was born, uh, my, my biological dad was a pilot in Korea. And we don't know exactly what happened, but he hit his head somehow. And to save his life, Andy, they put a plate in his head. Well, it also took his life because he had an excruciating pain uh, in his head. And he used to say to my mom all the time, I don't know how much longer I can take that. And so one day he said, I'm going to the grocery store. And we, no one ever heard from him again. So we have no idea what happened to him. Did he commit suicide? You know, whatever. We just don't know. So again, when I was adopted at five, uh, my parents stopped drinking, my aunt and uncle. And I'm going to refer to them throughout the show as my parents because they are the ones that raised me. Uh, they stopped drinking altogether. And then for some reason, when I was 11 years old, that was the day, that was the first day of summer in 1964. My dad was a, 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 a military officer. He was highly decorated, World War II, Korea. Uh, he was even working in the Pentagon during Vietnam. And so we had just come out of uh, 
President Kennedy had been assassinated in November of 63. So the summer of 64, the country was on edge, if you will. And my dad was certainly on edge, my, you know, my, my uncle who's raising. And for some reason, they chose the first day of summer to tell me. So they just set me down that morning, first day out of school, right? Set me down that morning and said, David, we have something to tell you. My mom put her hand on my hand, Andy, and said, David, what we need to tell you is we're not your parents. Mm. Well, you know, at 11 years old, you're like, what? What, yeah. what, do you, what does that mean? I mean, you know, at, at 11 years old, you can't process that. And, and then shortly after they told me that, they both started drinking. And so that's where my life took a really hard turn. Everything changed. This real wonderful home life, you know, we used to go camping, do all these things. Everything got put on the back burner and everything changed. So one day when they were both gone, uh, back in those days, you could leave your kids home, literally, right? Because my mom would call the neighbor across the street and say, hey, Joanne, uh, Bob and I are going to the store. David's going to be home alone. If he needs anything, can he come over there and knock on your door? And so Joanne's like, yeah, of course, he can always come over. So you know what I mean? The, the people yeah. on the street, the parents, this is how we operated back in the mid-60s. Right. And so when they left, I saw where they were hiding the booze. And I, I didn't know what it was. I had no references for it. And so I went over and I opened the cabinet and I pulled out this big bottle and it was brandy. And I, and I took a coffee cup, a regular coffee cup, and I filled it up about halfway. And boom, Andy, I drank it. I'm 11 years old. And here's what I can tell you. I was, I was done right there. On, you know, stick a fork in me. I'm done. I was an alcoholic on the spot. Wow. I never had a chance. It was like pouring rocket fuel into me. Yeah. And from that point on, all I did was wanted to chase it, steal it, get it, drink it. You know, it just, it consumed me. I never drank normally in my entire life. You know, the saying, uh, one's too many and a thousand's not enough. Well, that was my life when it came to alcohol. And as I got older, I started hanging around the wrong people. You know, peer group is everything. I know you know that. You teach it on your show. And, and so then drugs entered into the scene. And so by the time I was in my mid-teens, I was already introduced to cocaine and heroin. And then again, I, I'm hanging around the wrong people. And the older I got, the worse my peer group got. You know, you start hanging around with gang members. You start hanging around with prostitutes and pimps and, and just, you know, bad crowd. Well, to fast forward that, on June 8th of 1988, I'm now married, living on the East Coast. I'd moved from California to the D.C. area. And um, when I woke up that morning, again, I'm married to a woman who had three kids. They were my stepkids. And when I woke up that morning, I said, that's it. I'm done. I'm out. I am not doing this anymore. I was in so much physical and emotional pain that, I, that my, only, my only thought was, how do I deal with this? I want the pain to stop, period. That's it. And so the, the, the thought to me was put a bullet in your head. And so I, I loaded my pistol and I'm, I'm living in the basement while the rest of the family's upstairs. Okay. And so I put, the, I put the pistol in my mouth. And as I'm wrestling with pull, pulling the trigger, I remember thinking, what's going to happen to these kids? If they come down here and see the aftermath of that, oh my gosh, that's, that's not right. That's going to be really ugly. Now, I didn't even know what PTSD was, but I'm sure they would have suffered from it. And of course, you know, now the cops are coming in the morgue and you know what I mean? What a horrible, horrible thing to do to some people that you love and you care about. So I'm like, well, you can't do that. No, nope. Sorry, pal. Nope. Can't do it. And then I said, well, just go out into the woods. Just go out a hundred yards out the back door here and go do it out there. And I'm like, well, yeah, but what's changing? Not much. Maybe they won't physically see it, but all of the aftermath is going to happen. The school's going to know, the community's going to know. And again, that's wrong. You can't do that. And then out of nowhere, I get this thought in my head. Well, why don't you call AA? Well, here's what's interesting, Andy. I didn't know who AA was. I didn't know anybody that was in it. I didn't even know who they were. I have no recollection at all how that thought came to me. Because again, I didn't know anything about Alcoholics Anonymous. But I made a phone call. And I got a woman on the phone. And I affectionately 
uh, call her today. Her name is, I just made this up, but I call her Madge. And the reason I call her Madge is because she talked like this. Oh. And, and she probably smoked three packs of Paul Ball non-filtered oh. cigarettes a day, right? And so she had this really raspy voice and she was brutal. I mean, she was in my face. She wanted to know if I was serious, how long I'd been drinking, how much do you drink? And basically she's prepping me because she has to be the one to make a decision whether to dispatch somebody to come pick you up and take you to an AA meeting. So apparently I must've given her enough information uh, that she sent a guy to come pick me up. And you know, an hour later, this guy pulls up in front of my house and this guy by the name of Lauren, who I love this man to this day, um, he took me to a AA group, an all men's group in uh, Fairfax, Virginia. And I went to four meetings that day. We started off at a 1230 meeting, then it was a 430, a 630, and an 830 meeting. And man, did those men grab a hold of me. Uh, they knew, you know, they're like, tell us your story. What's going on? Well, I put, was going to put a bullet in my head this morning. Let's start there. Mm. Um, and so they, they took a big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and they all signed it and they put their telephone number and they gave me that book. And then they gave me a, what's called a living sober book. And they did the same thing. They wrote their names and their numbers in it and said, listen, before you pick, before you pick up a drink, before you drink, call one of us, just give us an opportunity to talk to you. So, so I went home that night and one of the other members made me promise not to go home and take a drink that night. And so I'm like, and I went home and, oh my God, I'm miserable. I mean, I, I want to drink so bad. I want to, I, I just, you know, I was shaking, yeah. you know, when you're coming off alcohol, you can go into what's called delirium tremors, okay. right? And it's dangerous. You can die from it. There's, you know, you can go to cardiac arrest. It's, it's a very dangerous uh, uh -huh. place to be. And so at eight o'clock in the morning, my phone rings and guess who it is? It's one of the members of AA who lives down the street from me, lived very close by. So he heard where I live. So he knew exactly where I live. And he's like, hey, good morning. How are you doing? I'm, thinking, I'm like, how do you think I'm doing? I'm miserable. I, I want to kill somebody. And I might start with you for calling me so early, right? And he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes, you're going to be fine. He goes, look, I'm right down the road. I know where you live. I'm going to come get you. Let's go to breakfast and I'll take you to a meeting. His name was John. And he did. Came pick me up went to breakfast, calmed me down, started telling me that I should probably start drinking a lot of uh, fresh squeezed orange juice. Okay. Uh, he said, right. And he said, start, start eating a lot of dark chocolate. And what he's trying to do is get my blood sugar balanced, if you will. Yeah. And so we went, we went to four meetings again the next day. This is on day two. Well, the next thing it turned to three days and then four days and then a week and then a month. And once I got to a month, they gave me a medallion, a, little, a chip, a chip from AA that said one month of continuous sobriety. Then I got one for two months, three months, six months, nine months, and then one year. Um, and to move that forward uh, on June 8th, coming up here in a, what, a week and a half, um, I'll have 35 years of continuous sobriety. So thank you. Yeah, brother. Yeah, man. Um, and so that, along with the personal development industry, as I was, as I was getting sober, <clears throat> excuse me i um i was up late at night all the time my sleep patterns were all over the place and and one night i'm up at three o'clock in the morning and there he is the, uh, you know a young tony robbins with gunthy ranker right selling his personal power program um and i'm watching that and i couldn't stand it he was so motivated and, you know, he was all uppity and I'm miserable. Right. So it was the last thing I want to watch, but he said a couple of things that got me and it kept me listening to it. And the, one of the first things he said is um, we'll do more to avoid pain than we will to gain pleasure. And I went, Whoa, okay. Because, you know, most of my life I drank and did drugs for two reasons to avoid pain or, or gain pleasure, right? So that really resonated with me. And then he said this, and this really got me. He said, the driving force in our life is we're either, uh, we're either motivated by inspiration or desperation. And I remember thinking, all right, well, you got me on that one because I'm desperate. So let's buy this program. What, you know, it's a money back guarantee, blah, blah, blah. So I did. And they sent it to me. And I would think it was $179, $169, 
put it on my American Express card. And to date this, Andy, it came on these little white things called cassette tapes, right? So I bet, I bet some of your audience don't even know what cassette tapes are, right? Uh, well, if you, if you go to the Smithsonian Institution, you, you'll see them there. Yeah. yeah. So that was it. He sent me the program. I went through it. I did what the man taught me to do, and it worked. So what was happening is, is I'm going to AA every day. I'm working the steps. I'm getting a sponsor. I'm putting my life back together by working the steps and the traditions of AA. I've got the personal development industry coming into my life at the same time. And what a magical combination that is. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Absolutely. Um, well, from there, uh, I, uh, after I went through the program, I had a friend in AA and he's like, what's, what's going on with you, man? You're really motivated. You seem, you know, you look like you're losing weight. You know, you just started this new business. He's like, what's going on? I mean, I know you're sober, but there's something else seems like it's going on. I said, yeah, I, I got into this guy by the name of Tony Robbins. And, and, uh, uh you know, I was listening to, um, you know, uh, uh, Norman Vincent Peale, and I was listening to Zig Ziglar, and I was listening to all these motive, because that once I got that taste of the personal development industry, I just had an unbelievable thirst for the personal development industry. Yeah. And uh, I said, oh, well, hey, I got this program, Personal Power, Tony Robbins, you want to borrow it? And he said, sure. And so he did. Well, seven years later, literally now, that was back in 88, 89, and in 1995, my buddy calls me on the phone and he says, hey, Dave, did you know that Tony Robbins is coming to D.C. live? And I said, no, had no clue. He goes, dude, come on, let's go. Go with me. This guy's incredible. I'm like, yeah, I, you know, I love the guy. He says, all right, listen, I'll call you back. I'll make arrangements. I'll call you back. So he calls me back about an hour later and he goes, done. We pick up the tickets at will call. And here's what they said to do. Number mm -hmm. one, bring snacks yeah. because you're going to spend a lot of time in the room. Okay, fair enough. Drink a lot of water. Hydrate. Really important. You got to stay hydrated throughout this four-day event. Okay, we'll drink a lot of water. I uh, said, bring a good attitude and be ready to play full out. And I said, Dan, how much was the ticket? And he said, $700. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this is in 1995, right? So what? What does yeah. that equate to today? Seven grand? I don't know. And so I went, okay, Dan, well, don't you worry. You know, uh, if I, if this costs me 700 bucks, I'll play full out. Well, just as he gets ready to hang up the phone, he goes, oh, wait, I forgot to tell you the most important part. Hmm. I'm like, what? He goes, we're going to be doing a fire walk. Wow. That's what I, 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 and in my head now, I'm not saying anything, but I'm thinking, oh, no, 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 no. Oh, that's a hard no for me, pal. And, and, you know, and, I, and what's interesting about that, Andy, is I'm saying no to something. I have no idea what I'm even saying no to. I don't know what a firewalk is, but it didn't sound like anything I wanted to be doing. So I'm like, no, that's a hard no for me. I'm not going to do it. But I'm not saying this to Dan, right? I don't want him to think I'm, you know, a big coward here. And so um, he hangs up the phone and, and uh, you know, I'm like, well, you know, I'm going to go because I want to see Tony, but I don't have to do the firewalk. I'm sure that's for all the crazies, right? Well. <laughs> you get to the event and Tony takes the stage at two o'clock in the afternoon. And the next thing I know it's after midnight. Wow. We've 3,500 people at this event. We've been in a room with Tony Robbins for 10 hours. Um, and all of a sudden Tony goes, take your shoes off. <laughs> hey. I remember thinking, Oh no. Uh, oh no 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 pal you're not going to trick me i don't think so and uh and then I'll, and then i'm looking around though and everybody's taking their shoes off uh, i'm like oh crum, yeah. you know it's like so if i don't take my shoes off they're gonna see that i didn't take my shoes off and then they're gonna know i'm a I'm, I'm a coward so i'm like well just take your shoes off and fake it right well as he gets ready to take you outside into this giant parking lot he gets everybody to start chanting, mm. right? So they're clapping their hands going, yes, yes, yes. And now, so now you got 3,500 people chanting, which is pretty intense. Yeah, yeah, and so yeah. when, right? So when you go outside over in the corner, they've got this huge fire built. It's massive. There's, they, they, they built, they, they, they lay sod, grass, probably five or six layers thick. 
and and it's about 30 feet uh, wide, and it's probably 65 to 70 feet long, and they've been burning it all day. Wow. So they just load it with wood every you know every hour and a half, two hours all day, and then at the end at midnight they've got this giant pile of coals because it just renders. And so what they did was they would load the coals in a wheelbarrow and then they would pull a wheelbarrow in between two lanes of sod of grass. And each lane is a fire lane. So it's about eh, three feet wide, 18 feet long. And then what they would do is they take a flathead shovel from the wheelbarrow with the coals and they would sprinkle these coals on top of that grass. That's what you walk on. Yeah. Well, I'm not doing it. Oh, by the way, when you get out there, it gets better. He's got African drummers. Uh, <laughs> you know, so now as everybody's chanting, yes, yeah. yes. And the, and, the, and the drums are dun, 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 dun. And so, you know, the vibration and the ambiance is off the chain. It's unlike anything you could ever even imagine. Right. Well, I decided to go hide in the back. I'm like, nobody's going to know. 3,500 people, you're not going to find me. And I can just be back here by myself um, and hide out. Well, here's what Tony knows. The reason Tony chooses firewalking is because it's such a profound experience. It's a life-changing experience, period. And he knows that because it's been around for a thousand years, right? Cultures all over the world have been using it for a whole host of reasons. You know, a rite of passage, uh, graduation, ceremonial uh, uh, procedures, you know, all kinds of things. And the Fahitians and the people of India and the Hawaiians and the Polynesians and the Native American Indians. I mean, this has been around a long, long time. So he knows how powerful the experience is. So he wants to make sure he gets you through that experience at, at all costs. Because if he doesn't, then he knows that you're going to lose that experience, which is so he's really focused to make sure to get everybody across that fire as he possibly can. So what's he do? Well, he knows people are going to go hide out in the back. So he trains people to go, go get you, right? And so I'm, I'm hiding in the back and here comes this guy and, and he makes eye contact with me. And apparently Tony teaches them, look, once you make eye contact with him, don't take your eyes off. Mm. And so now this guy's staring at me and I'm thinking, oh, you've got to be kidding me. This can't be happening. No way. Just come on. And so he gets about 20 feet from me. And he kind of bends over and he looks at me kind of funny, like there's something wrong with me, right? Which there is. I'm out of my mind with fear. And he said, hey, um, are you okay? And when we're not okay, what do we say? Yeah. We oh, did. yeah. Yeah. All, all good here, brother. We're all, yeah, yeah, we're good here. Yeah. yeah. Be on your way. I'm good. Mm -hmm. And so he goes, oh, great. He says, um, hey, are you going to walk tonight? And I'm like, absolutely not. Like, didn't you get the memo? Are you kidding me? No, I'm not walking. And he goes, hey, man, that's cool. He goes, oh, we don't want you to do anything you don't want to do. And I remember thinking, wow, okay. I like this guy. He's going to get me out of here. Mm -hmm. And then he asked me a question. And now this is a stranger. I, I, I don't know who this guy is to this day. And if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be on your podcast here this morning. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And so he says, well, wouldn't you at least like to watch? And uh, I thought, well, yeah, sure. I'm, yeah, let's go. It should be entertaining. Let's go watch these people burn their feet off. Yeah, and he yeah. says, well, listen, man, you can't see anything from back here. And he's right. I'm 100 yards away. I have 3,500 people standing in front of me, Andy. I can't see anything. Right. And he said, well, just get in line, and eventually you'll get close enough. You'll actually be able to see them firewalking. And so, and he's telling the truth by the way. So in, in his defense. And so I'm like, okay. So I get in line. Well, I'm kind of walking along. And again, I got to see a people in front of me. I can't see anything. I can hear them. They're screaming. They're yelling. They're clapping. The drums are going. I mean, it is, again, it's unbelievable. It's really hard to describe actually. And I'm walking along and I'm walking along and all of a sudden this guy comes up and he whispers in my ear and he says, he knows when you're ready. When he says go, you go. And then wow. poof, this guy just disappeared into the night. And I'm like, what was that? Who was that? Yeah. And so now I'm just kind of walking along. And all of a sudden I look and all of a, I can't see in front of me, but I can see at an angle. Yeah. 
and they're doing it. They're firewalking, brother. They're doing all every race, creed, and color. And I'm thinking, what in the H E double L is going on here? Why are they doing this? Yeah. You know, metaphorically, what's happening here? What what's convinced them to do this? What's what's the result? What's the outcome? Because I've got no references. I've never seen anything like this in my entire life. So my brain's just looking for answers, wanting to be right. And I'm staring and I'm watching. And, and now I'm in a trance. And I'm just staring and watching these people walk. And all of a sudden, boom, guess where I am? You're walking. I, well, I'm at the front of the line. Okay. <laughs> right? And all of a sudden, I look down. And the coals are on that, on that grass, you know, three feet wide, 18 feet long. And they're glowing bright red. And my heart's pumping out of my chest. I can feel the heat from the wheelbarrow of all the coals in there. And I am freaking. I am, you know, it's fight or flight right now yeah. for me. Yeah. Well, there's a trainer standing there. And the trainer goes, squeeze your fist and say yes. Oh, I'm sorry. Wait a minute. Before he did that, he said, eyes up. Because I'm looking down. And, and I'm like, I'm startled. I, I pulled my eyes up. Yeah. Well, when I was in the room with Tony for 10 hours, guess what he teaches you to do? Keep your eyes up. He's like, keep your eyes up. Don't stare at what you fear in life. Look to the celebration end. That's where the reward is. Yeah. So now my eyes are up and he goes, squeeze your fist and say yes. And I went, yes. And he went stronger. And I went, yes. And he, and he knows I'm not in a peak state. He knows I'm leaving a lot on the table. And he screamed at me. And he's like, stronger. And I threw my hands in the air and I screamed at the top of my lungs. And, and as soon as I did that, he went, go, go, go. I took off. Well, he positioned, Tony positions two people at the end of the fire lane and they interlock their arms to stop you. Yeah. Heck, I'd have walked all the way to Albuquerque at that point, right? And, he's, and they're like, stop, wipe your feet and celebrate. And I'm wiping my feet and, and I look back and I go, what just happened? I'm looking at the coals. They're a thousand degrees, mind you. Um, and all of a sudden it dawns on me. I burnt my feet really bad, yeah. really bad. I can feel it. Yeah. And so I look at my right foot and it's dirty, but there's actually no burns, none. Oh, it's my other foot. It's burnt really bad. I lift it up. I look at it. Yeah, it's dirty, but there's no burns. And so now I'm in total disbelief. Because I just did something extraordinary, and I don't have a clue how I did it, right? I think we've all done that. We do something really cool, really amazing. We blow our own minds and go, how do we do that? I don't know. We just did it. That's how humans work sometimes. And so here's the first thing I learned about firewalking. And metaphorically, I think business owners and entrepreneurs and people of all shapes and sizes and ages can relate to this. And that is, when you, when you make a decision and you take the first step, oh, you'll take the second, third, fourth, and fifth, especially when firewalking. <laughs> you don't stop, right? You burn yourself bad. Yeah, yeah. And so yeah. that was it. <clears throat> and so the immediate result of that night when you firewalk is it's exhilarating. There's nothing like it. You feel like you're on top of the world. Your self-worth, your self-confidence, your self belief about yourself just goes boom right to the top and it you know in fact when i went to bed that night i didn't even wash my feet <laughs> right i'm like no i want to make sure I, i'm not going to wash my feet for a month because i you know i want to be able to remember that i actually did this well here's where it gets super super interesting the next day right so this is a four-day event that's day one. This fire walk that night's on day one. So we're coming into day two. So we're all standing in the foyer that morning, 3,500 people. And I'd never, ever, ever experienced anything like this in my life. It was so amazing to be standing in a room of people whose self-worth and their belief about themselves and the vibration that we were all putting out just went boom to the top. And I'm watching these people. I, I don't know any of these people, yeah. um, but they're but they're but they're laughing, they're crying, they're hugging, and they're talking, and they're communicating at a level, humanistically, 
unlike anything I'd ever experienced in my entire life. And to this day, I've never seen anything like this at all, other than a Tony Robbins seminar is the next day after a firewall. Wow. So I just knew that I had just been part of something that was probably one of the most profound experiences that I was ever going to experience in my entire life. Well, later I found out that Tony uses about 300 volunteers for every event. Okay. Uh, uh, probably 250 of them are inside. 50 of them are outside on the fire building team. Yeah. So one of Tony's trainers, I'm talking to him about it. He said, hey, man, if you want to come be part of this, because I was telling him how, how blown away I was and, you know, the connectivity and the camaraderie. I mean, this is beautiful. It's just absolutely gorgeous. And he said, well, listen, when you get home, just call Robbins Research in San Diego and they'll send you an application, fill it out. It's about a five page form, but fill it out, send it back. And if they like what they see and hear from you, that you might get selected to come be a volunteer and be one of us, one of the, one of the volunteers. And I went, done, I'm going to do that. And I did. And they did. They selected me. I, I filled out the form, sent it back about, I don't know, two weeks later, maybe. I got a letter in the middle. It said, congratulations, Dave Alvin. You've been, a, you've been selected to come crew the, at Tony Robbins in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Wow. And so they look at your application really carefully and they look for your skills. You know, what, what are you good at? Well, first of all, I was living on a farm at the time. So I knew how to, you know, I knew how to, I knew a lot about wood. I had wood stoves in my farm. So I knew how to split wood and I knew how to use a log splitter and a hatchet. And, you know, I knew all that. I knew how to run certain pieces of equipment. And uh, I had a security background. I had a military background. So there went, they went, okay, military security, put him on the security team to help take care of Tony's celebrities. And then also put him on the fire building team so that he can be part of that. Well, I think I crewed as a volunteer maybe a half a dozen times. And then they offered me a subcontracting position to be on the security team to help take care of Tony's celebrities. And they also put me on the fire building team. And they, became, they offered me the assistant captain position. So that would have been in 96. Yeah, yeah. In 2003, my life changed forever. Wow. We're in, we're, we're at Date with Destiny, which is one of Tony's premier events. There's no firewalk at that event, uh, but it's, it's six days of total immersion. Date with Destiny. So we're doing it at the Bahamas uh, at the Atlantis Hotel there, that beautiful hotel there outside of Nassau. And <clears throat> I got a call. Um, uh, right when I got there and they said, we, you know, when you come to the office, we want to speak to you. And when I got there, the next thing I know, I'm being offered the captain's position, which is Tony's wanting me to take over all of his firewalks globally. And so when they first offered it to me, I said, I can't. And they're like, like, well, why? And I said, because I homeschool my kids. And they went, oh, okay. Well, that would make sense. Well, okay. If we paid for your kids and your family to travel with us, would that make a difference? And I'm like, well, yeah, of course it would. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I called home and I, my son was nine at the time and I'm telling him what's going on and talking to his mom and his sister. And you guys want to go on the road with Tony Robbins? And they're like, yeah, dad, oh my God. So my son's like, dad, so where's our first event? Oh, right. He went for it. He's like, he's excited. He wants to go because he's, he's a little older. So he knows a little bit more about who Tony is and what his dad was doing. Right. <clears throat> and I go, well, our first event is in Sydney, Australia. Right. So that's, that's my, you know, that was my, the indoctrination, if you will, for my family. And, you know, then we traveled all over, they went to London, they, they went to Hawaii, all over the continental United States. And so that happened in 2003. I took over all of his firewalks globally. And then 2005, Tony and I set a world record in London. We firewalked uh, 12,300 people. Wow. And, you know, that's a, that's a world record, Andy. Um, uh, now, I want to disclose something. Guinness was not there. Guinness Book of World Records was not there. I want to make sure that the listeners know that. But to my knowledge, there's never been a firewalk anywhere close to that, uh, unless it was a Tony Robbins seminar, not 12,300 people. Most firewalks might be 10, 20, 30 people, maybe 100, yeah. but not 12,000. <laughs> so Dave, and, I want you to, uh, I, just, I just need to interrupt you for a minute. I want you to sure. give offer 
with the code to the audience. Uh, yeah. Oh, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. So, <clears throat> so I have a program in my company. Uh, my, my website is um, firewalkadventures.com. So it's just all one word, firewalkadventures.com. So when you get there in the top left-hand corner, there's a tab that says the Dave Albin Firewalk Academy. And so what the academy is, is that people send their people or they come to me, they're coaches, they're trainers, uh, they're facilitators, they're business owners, whoever, big companies will send people from their HR department, whatever. And we train them. I personally hand train them to do what I do. And then after a week of training up here in the Appalachian Mountains in, the, in, in, the, in North Carolina, then we train them, I certify them, then I send them back to the respective um, uh, businesses uh, to be able to facilitate firewalks and glass walks and board breaks and arrow breaks and, and create their story and, you know, really be, teach them how to become uh, corporate team building extraordinaires. So at the end of the, so at the end of the, your, your broadcast here, uh, Andy, I'll give the listeners uh, a code for that. And if they decide they want to, you know, come to the Academy, which by the way, I only do 10 people at a time. We keep it very small, very intimate for very specific reasons. But again, so at the end of the show, I'll give you uh, a code and then that code will give uh, any of your listeners on your show today, a substantial discount. Okay, great. Sounds like a plan. Cool. So it's, so my life radically changed again. Yeah. And that was in 2014, uh, Google got a hold of us. Yeah. And they're like, so are you the Dave Alvin that does the firewall? I'm, I'm literally, my phone rings. It's like, hey, we're, you know, this is Google, da, da, da. Are you the Dave Alvin that does the firewalks for Tony Robbins? Yes. What can I do for you? Well, we'd like to talk to you about hiring us to do an event for us. Huh. And of course, what we need to know is, are you under any contractual obligation or non-compete? And I'm like, no. Home, homeboy is a free agent. I can do what I want. And they said, great. I said, so what's the dates? And they gave me the dates. And then they said, uh, and I said, well, how many people? They said, there's 148 executives. And uh, I'm like, okay, so what's your budget for this? And they're like, this. <laughs> I went, okay, I can work with you guys. <laughs> and, and so what we did there, Andy, is we ended up doing a glass walk. And the reason we did a glass walk was because um, a firewalk wasn't logistically possible. Okay. They had a graduation going on. Uh, they were going to have lunch. They were going to have some cocktails after the graduation. So they, so we ended up doing a glass walk, okay. which worked out great. They loved it, had a great time. In fact, the night before the event, we're all out to dinner. Uh, uh, the university of North Carolina was there as well, because, uh, uh the university of North Carolina wrote the curriculum for Google's program. And so they were there, Google was there, and, uh, and we're sitting there at dinner and they're kind of like, uh, Dave, can we ask you a question? And I said, sure, of course, what? They said, well, we kind of like to do something, but obviously we, we need your permission to do it and we want to make sure you're okay with it. And I'm like, okay, well, what do you want to do? They said, well, before we bring you on stage, there's a scene in the movie Die Hard uh -huh. where Bruce Willis you know, they the guy, the bad guy shoot out these windows and there's glass all over the floor and he's got to run across the broken glass. Yeah. He goes, would you, would you be okay if we showed that scene? <laughs> I went, you're my kind of people. I'm like, yeah, of course, absolutely show it. And then they said, we got one more favor to ask. Okay. What's that? Well, there's a song by Annie Lennox. Right. And I said, oh yeah. Walking across broken glass. They said, yep. Can we play that song as we introduce you and bring you out from the green room onto stage? And I said, yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. <laughs> so I'm like, you know, there, there I am, you know, I'm, I'm at Google. And that's where the light bulb went off. Wow. I had some conversation with Google and they said, you know, we just want to let you know, there's a huge marketplace for what you do. Because, you know, to, to, from a corporate team building standpoint, there's nothing like this on the planet. And you're at the top of the game, dude. So you may want to consider starting your own business in your own company. I mean, I, we know you work for Tony and that's great, but we're just saying you may want to consider doing that because, you know, corporate America will eat you alive to hire you and, and create these experiences. And so I'm going, okay, well, 
if Google's telling you this, they do have access to some information. So you know what they're probably telling you here is spot on. So I did. So we started Firewalk Productions. And uh, the next thing I know, Andy, from Google, we were at NASA. Uh, from NASA, we went to uh, Notre Dame, Virginia Tech, Remax, Chick-fil-A, Heineken, Microsoft. I mean, it just, it just kept going and going and going. YMCA. I started getting hired by schools, junior high schools and high schools to do board breaks and, and speak to the kids about entrepreneurship and, and business ownership. And so, you know, you just don't know what's going to happen. I mean, the next thing I know, you know, I'm on the breakout room with Andy Charles, right? So you just don't know where life's going to take you. Yeah, Dave, I want to play something for you. Sure. I'm just, I'm going to do that. And then I want your comment on it. And then we're going to take some look at what people are saying in the comments. Oh, okay, sure. Of course. Um, I entitled this Heart. And when you play it, when I play it, you're going to see why I call it hot. Okay, awesome. Let's see if I could just get it up and running. There you go. Hey, everyone. Dave Alvin here, Facebook Live. So I wanted to share some information that some of you may or may not have known about. And um, in the comment section there, you can see that I'm referencing um, that I've had a heart attack. And I had a heart attack back in 2009. I had it the day before, it was June 24th, the day before Michael Jackson died. And my birthday was June 26th. And it was during the mortgage crisis. And it was during a time that I was in quite a battle. I was... Um, I was being attacked via, you know, the foreclosure of a, the house and farm. I was being sued by debt collectors. I was in bankruptcy court uh, and I was doing all the legal work myself. And it was, and it was a, and I was in a place at the time where I absolutely, I just hated the whole banking system, the whole fiat system, the federal reserve. Uh, you know, obviously it's not federal and there is no reserve. And so that whole system had come down and, and I sat there and saw that millions and millions of American families were suffering. My family was one of them. And I wasn't taking care of myself. I was eating horribly. Uh, again, I had all the, I had all the things that if you do these things, you, your body's going to suffer. And again, I ended up having a heart attack. And so that morning when that happened, I did something that a lot of males don't do. And that was, I wasn't in denial about what was going on. A lot of, a lot of men die of a heart attack because they refuse to believe that they're having one. Like, well, I'm okay, I'm gonna be fine, all that, all that bullshit. Well, none of that was true. I knew it, I could feel it. I felt numbness in my, in my left arm. I had all the symptoms and I knew I was having a heart attack. So I decided to, take action based on that. Uh, I went in the bathroom, I got two aspirin, I put them in my mouth, I chewed them up. Uh, my wife at the time and daughter were at a 4-H event. Um, and so my son was home, I went, Davey, I think I'm having a heart attack. And I just called 911. And I went in the living room, I laid down, I elevated my feet, and I waited for them to show up and I relaxed. And when the paramedics got there, I just, I got up, obviously I could hear them coming and I got up and I walked out, I got into the, you know, I said, Hey guys, I think I'm having a heart attack. And they, you know, they don't, they don't screw around, man. They put me in the back of that paramedic unit, took me to the ER, um, you know, hooked up two IVs. When I got to the ER, a short ER doctor, uh, he was really cool. He's a good dude. He had had a heart attack himself. And so he, he knew what was going on. They gave me nitro, glycerin. And uh, so there I was, right, faced with this, with this heart attack. Uh, he said, based on what we're seeing in your x-rays and stuff and your enzymes, you, you, we're going to ship you to Winchester Cardiovascular Unit. So the next thing I know, there I was in the back of a paramedic unit, again, riding backwards, going, down I, going north on I-81 to the Winchester Hospital. And they did indeed put a stint in. And 
that was a life-changing experience for me, obviously. I knew I needed to calm my ass down. I needed to quit. Just There was a lot of things I needed to do, uh, which I started doing. The great news was I had a really good friend of mine uh, who's a doctor who stopped to me and he said, Dave, there's a, there's a, there's a guy out there. His name is Dr. Harry Elward. And, and he makes a product that if I were in your shoes, I would start taking that product so you can support your cardiovascular system. And that's really what this Facebook Live is going to be about. I'm going to put a link. And this is the product. Um, again, it's called Cardio for Life. It's made by Dr. Harry Elward. He formulated it. That's a picture of Dr. Harry right there. Again, really cool guy. I'm going to put his phone number in the chat here, and I'm uh, going to put information on how you can get a hold of this. And basically, he, he, Dr. So I'm going to stop it there. Okay. But the reason why I played that, Dave, is because that to me was an extremely powerful, compassionate, passionate testimony of a time when you were at your lowest. But you were so grateful and humile or you had enough humility to say, you know what? Somebody else needs to hear this because it's going to add value to their life. It's going to make a difference. People ought to know that they need to take better care of themselves. And as soon as you see signs and symptoms, don't wait, man. Just take positive, affirmative action. Do what you need to do because life is precious. You've got to see it that way. You've got to see the value in it and do something to save it, to preserve it. Just going to give you a, a minute to comment on it. Then I'm going to look on the comments we have on Facebook Live. Well, well, first of all, Andy, thank you uh, very much for bringing that um, out to your viewers. I hope they'll find some value in that. And, you know, cardiovascular disease is the number one killer in men. And so in studying all that, the number one killer is really is men going to denial. I'm okay. I'm going to be fine. It's this or that. And, and, you know, and I knew I just, I was like, you know, I can, my, my arm is going numb. I had all the symptoms. Um, and I'm like, I got a family. It's dude, you got to do this. Right. I went and took the aspirin. I chewed those up. I knew that would help with my, thin my blood. I went and lay down. I relaxed. I meditated. I elevated my feet. I called 911. I told my son what's going on. Call your mom, tell your mom and your sister, I'm going to go to the ER. And so when they showed up, man, they were ready. I told them on the phone, I'm having a heart attack. And I did, man, they hooked me up. They gave me nitro. They saved my life. The good news was there was no permanent damage to my heart. They got me right into a cardiology um, unit. They put a stent in and, that, and I went, you know what? It's time to change your attitude. It's time to start eating better. Because I was fighting. I was fighting the foreclosure. I was fighting bankruptcy. I was fighting all those things at that time because of the mortgage crisis. That's what was going on. And so I was like, you know what? You got two kids, man. And so, and I knew how to take care of myself. I'd been in Tony's world all those years. And so I did. I, I immediately started eating better. I started exercising. I started drinking a lot of, I, I was on a well. So I had, I had really good, clean um, well water, mountain water. And, um, and it works. And then I met, and then I met Dr. Harry and Dr. Harry makes that product it's called cardio for life. And it's got everything in there. That's good for your cardiovascular system. And I started taking it and it's worked. And I, and I've got a jar of it right over there. I take it a couple times a week to this day. And so instead of ignoring my body and my mindset, cause I was fighting so hard, I had to take, I took a step back and said, you got to take care of you first. Then once you're there, then if you want to continue with the fight and all that and try to save your home and all that, then do that. So again, I think the, big, the biggest lesson out of that, Andy, for any, anybody listening, if you think or feel you're having a heart attack, you better, you better address it right now on the spot. Don't wait. Call the paramedics. Let them come help you and, 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 and you know, get your life back in order. Great. Thank you for sharing, Dave. That was really wonderful stuff. Um, I, I have just about two comments here. Loretta Packett says, good morning, guys. I'm listening. And she's saying to you, Dave, God bless you on your journey continually with a wow and mm, 
So something about your story or information must have been superbly fascinating that you would get that kind of response and that kind of comment. Yeah. And I know there are other folks in the background there, they probably don't want to comment now, but they're taking in the information and that's important. So we are just about, probably about five minutes over, but that's all right, it's worth it. And Dave, now I want you to tell the people how they can make contact with you and give them that code that you were talking about. Sure. It's all in the episode anyway, so. Yeah, yeah absolutely, uh, my pleasure. So again, uh, my website, if you want to you know, look at any of the corporate team building things that we do, I uh, want to create a discovery call, get in touch with us, ask questions, whatever. Just go to our website. It's got a ton of info there. It's called firewalkadventures.com. So that's firewalkadventures with an S on the end.com. And then at the top of the page, you know, the academies there and the, you know, the firewalk, the glass walk, um, everything's there, um, including all our contact information. Now for the one viewer or any of your viewers that, is out there and it's like, well, Dave, I, you know, I don't really want to do a firewalk, but you know, my brother's an alcoholic and I need some help and I don't know what to do. And, or my, you know, my sister's on drugs or whatever. Um, I want to make this really, really crystal clear. When I got sober, I read the preamble of AA and here's what it said. When anyone anywhere reaches out, I want the hand of AA to be there. And for that, I'm responsible. And I carry that really serious. So if you want to reach out to me and talk to me about that and get some advice, um, I'm 100% open to that. Um, it's what I'm here to do. It's probably I'm probably better at that than anything else I do on this planet. So I, I do have the whole firewalking thing pretty well dialed in. Um, but yeah, drug addiction and alcoholism is my specialty, if you will. Whether you're drinking yourself or you know somebody, uh, again, please feel free to reach out to me. I'll be more than uh, happy to help and support you. And the code that uh, for listening to Andy's show today um, and, you know, being in the breakout room here um, is 6828. Again, 6828. If you decide you want to come to the Academy, give me that code and we'll give you a substantial discount for being on Andy's show tonight. Right. There you have it, folks. Live from Dave Albin, the mastermind behind Firewalk Adventures. You have his information with regards to his website where he can be located. And at the end of this program, when we put this episode out, the edited version, you're gonna have all that information, including Facebook, um, Instagram, what do I have here? YouTube, yeah, all, all the information in regards to how you can make contact with Dave Albin and Firewalk Adventures, it's gonna be at the end of the episode when we put it out there, so look out for that. So we wanna thank Dave for coming into the breakout room and helping us to realize that all of us have the potential to not only attain, but to sustain health, happiness, and prosperity. It has been an extreme pleasure having you on, Dave, as a guest. And until next time, I just wanna to say to my wonderful people, let me see one more time if I have any more. Ah, yeah, Glenda Williams said, well said, good job. You seem to be attracting the ladies, Dave. Sweet. <laughs> I'm an empty nester. <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely, that's great. The energy is really, really amazing. And I, I give you full credit for that, Dave. So, folks, thank you so much. Uh, remember to take advantage of the code. And if you've got any problems, anybody in your family suffering a drug addiction, alcohol abuse, that kind of thing, reach out to Dave, he can help. He's willing and he's able. So until next time, this is Andy of Andy's Personal Development saying so long, Godspeed, God bless, Shalom, Namaste. Bye for now. Stay well, folks.